Hello and welcome to the Refresh Podcast, where we aim to take a deeper dive into our faith and extend the conversation beyond Sunday morning. I'm your host, Jared Cunningham. Unlike the previous episodes, this one is a little different. In the other episodes, there has been some inspiration or backstory to tell. Even in Great is Thy Faithfulness, Thomas Chisholm's life serves as enough explanation as to why the song was written. And we have a quote from Chisholm himself. For this episode, we don't have any of that. And honestly, we don't need one to understand the marvel this hymn talks about. Between the internet and the ever-growing need to capture attention, it's not hard to find breathtaking or awe-inspiring visuals. With high-speed connections at our fingertips, in a way, we can instantly be transported around the world. From Central Florida, we can see what the weather is like in Portland, Oregon. We can drop down to the streets of Barcelona, taking a block-by-block view of the city. We can see the majestic views of the Great Wall of China, the Taj Mahal in India, and the Christ the Redeemer statue in Rio de Janeiro. The experience is not the same as seeing them in person, but they're still amazing sights. Social media has allowed us to share and create our own amazing sights. We can easily see unbelievable stunts from acrobatics to the extreme sports. Even tricks that seem impossible are made possible. The invention of CGI and other visual effects transport us into fictional worlds we never thought were possible. Marvel draws us into Asgard and Wakanda, even into other dimensions. DC brings Gotham and Metropolis to life. The worlds of Pandora and Middle-Earth are brought to life on the big screen, bringing us deeper into the worlds of Avatar and Lord of the Rings. The Bible itself even shows us miraculous feats. The Bible opens with the creation of the world we inhabit, showcasing how each part came to be. In Exodus, we see Moses witness the burning bush, a bush that is clearly on fire but not burning. In Kings, we are introduced to Solomon's Temple, one of the wonders of the ancient world. A worship space rulers traveled hundreds and thousands of miles to see with their own eyes. And let's not forget the life of Jesus. During Jesus' three-year ministry, he turns ordinary water into wine. He heals ten men of leprosy, a debilitating disease that affects the nerves, skin, eyes, and nasal passages. He even feeds five thousands with five loaves of bread and two fish. A feat made all the more amazing by the fact that the total is more than 5,000 because it doesn't account for women and children. However, and though it could be debatable, the most marvelous, wondrous act of the known world is best described by Charles Gabriel. In 1856, Charles Hutchinson Gabriel was born on a farm in Iowa. Though he was self-taught, learning on the organ in his home, Throughout his life, Gabriel's musical career included everything from teaching and singing schools to writing and composing songs, anthems, and cantanas, and editing for music collections. A busy man indeed. Like many in this series so far, he wrote a lot. But because he wrote under numerous pseudonyms, it's hard to figure out exactly how many songs he wrote. Nevertheless, with somewhere between 7,000 and 8,000 songs, 35 song collections, Sunday school songbooks, choir books for men's and women's ensembles, numerous cantatas, including 41 Christmas cantatas, it's safe to say he contributed a lot to the music of our faith. 
In fact, he is the writer of another popular work, Send the Light, as well as composer for His Eye is on the Sparrow and Will the Circle Be Unbroken. However, the real subject of today's episode is another of my favorite hymns, I Stand Amazed, also known as My Savior's Love. As I said earlier, there's no known backstory to I Stand Amazed or any clear idea as to what may have inspired Gabriel to write it. What we do know is that it was first published in 1905 in EOXL's collection, Praises. In a way, it could be said that Luke 22, verses 41 through 44, serves as the inspiration for the hymn, or that it is how Gabriel chose to convey the love of God in a way we could easily understand. There we see Jesus praying in the garden before he is arrested. Luke reads, He withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and prayed. He said, Father, if it's your will, take this cup of suffering away from me. However, not my will, but your will must be done. Then a heavenly angel appeared to him and strengthened him. He was in anguish and prayed even more earnestly. His sweat became like drops of blood falling on the ground. Reverend Carlton R. Young, editor of the current version of the United Methodist Hymnal, had this to say about I Stand Amazed. This song of great gratitude and praise for the atoning death of Jesus is a personal and Adventist interpretation of Luke's account of Jesus' sweating blood in the Garden of Gethsemane, a portion of the Passion not included in the other Gospels. I Stand Amazed has a refrain and five stanzas, each drawing us further and further into the Garden of Gethsemane breaking down the enormity of Jesus' sacrifice in the love shown to us. In verse 1, Gabriel introduces us to this wondrous love, amazed that Jesus could love us, despite our shortcomings, wondering how he could love us, sinners condemned unclean. Moving on to verse 2, Gabriel brings us to the garden, where Jesus earnestly prayed, Not my will, but thine, a prayer that carried the weight of our griefs. In verse 3, angels bear witness to Jesus' emotional moment in the garden. They came from the world of life to comfort him in the sorrows he bore from my soul that night. Now, in verse 4, Jesus takes on our sins and sorrows on the cross. He made them his very own, bearing the burden of Calvary. Lastly, in verse 5, Gabriel awaits for the moment we join together with the other saints and meet our Savior face to face where we are given the honor and joy to sing of the immense outpouring of love shared with us. The refrain takes these feelings and breaks them down into a joyous uproar, shouting, how marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. What could be more marvelous? Through the lens of John 3.16, our God loved us so much that he gave up his only son, a son who willingly left his throne in the heavens to walk amongst us and ultimately give his life as payment for a debt we could not pay on our own. Love that was shown and given to us before we had any concept of who God was, let alone our own names. A love that gives us a light of hope in an otherwise drab and gray world. So again, I ask, what could be more marvelous, more wondrous, than our Savior's love for us. To close, I'll read these words from Romans. Here Paul explains why Christ came, the enormity of his sacrifice, and what it means for us in a beautiful way. 
Romans 5, 6 through 11 says, while we were still weak at the right moment, Christ died for ungodly people. It isn't often that someone will die for a righteous person, though maybe someone might dare to die for a good person. But God shows his love for us because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So now that we have been made righteous by his blood, we can be even more certain that we will be saved from God's wrath through him. If we were reconciled to God through the death of his son while we were still enemies, now that we have been reconciled, how much more certain is it that we will be saved by his life? And not only that, we even take pride in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the one through whom we now have a restored relationship with. 